0: Embrace the alternative with Fab Radio. Hello, bibliophiles! It's probably Sunday. You're listening to FabRadioInternational.com, or you're on some sort of podcasting device, and you're listening to the Bookworm. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I have a special guest with me. Say hello, Mr. Russell Smith. Hello, Mr. Russell Smith. Um, So the team today is myself. Russ Producer Al Ninfa who's again right thing wrong across the world um, on today's show we have stuff we are talking to Katie Davis um, who wrote the lovely book Breed um, those of you who follow Fox Spirit's output will be terribly excited those of you who aren't will get into Fox Spirit very soon and then get terribly excited we're also reviewing Discovering Scarfolk and you're reviewing London Falling by Paul Cornell uh, and coming up next we're going to talk about a bit about book news
1: Across the world, the real alternative, Fab Radio com. So, book news time.
0: Uh- By the by, if you like the show and you're on the social media, you can find us on Twitter as Radio Bookworm. You can find us on Facebook as Radio Bookworm. You can find us on Tumblr, Radio Bookworm. Mixcloud, Radio Bookworm. You can find us on iTunes via the Starburst website, starburstmagazine.com. And also you can... The station the radio station five radio international has its own social media just go to FavradioInternational.com, find all of that stuff out and that small plug for how marvelous we are but no please just go on subscribe say hello so let that'll test you later we will so uh, exciting news at the start let's talk about Mike Carey's um, Lucifer to hit Fox TV uh, they're doing a what's called a pot pilot a pot pilot means it's definitely going on the air honest governor and um, it will allow fox obviously to cancel it later because we're still a bit of about firefly, and we will for the rest of our natural lives. Thank you, fox for those of you who don't I think that's reasonable I think that's entirely reasonable um I can remember <laughs> sitting watching it with someone who i hadn't who hadn't seen firefly when it came out and their response to the last episode was to go that's it what and be outraged which was always fun Mm. so yes lucifer uh for those of you who don't know who mike carey is where have you been mike carey wrote city of silk and steel which we reviewed ages ago he also wrote a comic book called lucifer which is based on the sandman we talked about it a little while ago but essentially it's it's about you know the devil himself he quits he quits his job he gets sick of it decides he wants to be doing something else. Lucifer, then, is the story about what the devil does next. It's it's kind of... It's a bit like Judge Dredd in the sense that, you know, Judge Dredd is just standing there and the world goes on around him and he's kind of the central character. Lucifer shapes his world, certainly, but it's the adventures of the other characters that actually makes it very interesting. It's going to make for fascinating TV, given the books. It's a 75-issue spin-off series. Um... Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's going to uh, be interesting. There be- are a lot of shows
2: about that, that uh, seem to creep in, in or about, or around the devil at some point, but mm, this mm. is actually looking like it's going to bring something different, so I'm kind of looking forward to this
0: one. There, there is a touch of, oh my god, Supernatural is coming to its 10th season, and you know, we
3: need something to replace it.
0: Because they're getting a little bit old, and it's mm. all about the. It's all about the homoeroticism, let's be honest.
3: Um, and any American TV show, there's not many go past ten seasons, is there? No, not really. It's, it's well, unless three. you're heading into soap territory.
0: And, and I, think, I think, given where the show's going with Supernatural, I think it's, they've, they've just ran out of ideas. Well, not run out of ideas, they've ran out of steam. Mm. Whereas Lucifer has a plot already set up. There's some really dodgy stuff in Lucifer. And one of the main characters is a, is a, sorry, not pre-pubescent, is a pubescent girl. So they're either going to age her down or age her up. Um, other news. National Trust has po- partnered up with Faber and children's book publisher Nosy Crow to produce all sorts of cool stuff. Um, basically, you'll be able to go into a National Trust so- shop and buy some really cool children's books. If you don't know Nosy Crow, check them out, actually. They do some great stuff. I, I like Nosy Crow an awful lot. Uh, Amazon are readying a new type of Kindle. Whoa. Can, can, can we get excited? Kindle 2, the sequel? It's called, a, it's called The Voyage, <laughs> apparently, as opposed to Voyager. I think, I think they should have called it Voyager and then sent it out into space.
2: Yeah, and then they could have done other spin-off Kindles, like, you know, um, <laughs> Enterprise or... <laughs> exactly, I mean... Kindle, um, could, Kindle,
3: Kindle Deep Space 7.
2: Oh, I'd have been up for that.
0: <laughs> you, could have, you could have had an entire story about a Kindle coming back to take over... You know, let's let's, not let's make, stop there. Let's not make Star <laughs> Trek story, uh, jokes. Um... Oh, Machete versus Amazon. Do we care anymore?
2: Uh, I sort of care. This would have been so much better if it was Machete versus Amazon.
0: I could (laughs) watch Danny Danny Trejo do this stuff all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's been going on uh, six months now. We should just get a clock, to be honest, or possibly a bell. We did have a bell at the start. And then we should
3: replace that. How many days since DC Comics did something stupid? <laughs> with well, how many days since something happened in Amazon? Because
2: yeah, apparently DC were doing all right recently, but mm. Marvel was awesome.
0: Well, if you remember, I did have a bell, but I, I rang it so often that the clanger fell out. So but really, there's, there's there's no point in going forward. Um, Office United, as opposed to Office City. City. Um, Writers rangers uh, and so on. Uh, Office United have a uh, representative of writers have released a statement saying, "Bad Amazon, no biscuit." It's a short version. Um, essentially, if you're a mid-level, if you're a mid-tier author, you're and you're on the Hachette list. So that means stuff like Garlands for example, you're getting really, really badly treated at the moment, and your sales are, have collapsed. Which means writers don't have an easy time of it anyway. If you're a mid-tier author, you're kind of just hanging on. So, all of this is causing a lot of problems for Amazon and Hachette, bickering. The 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 people who lost aren't you, gentle reader? It's the authors, the mid-tier authors, who you know are the ones who eventually become world-class authors. All authors start off somewhere. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna lose some amazing stuff out of this. We're gonna lose some amazing books and some amazing art. Stuff's gonna get ignored. Stuff's just not gonna get picked up simply because two large businesses can't sort their stuff out seriously
2: fellas sit round the table organise organize a wedding it's, uh, observe the rules of hospitality that sort of thing but please look after us authors there we go uh,
0: actually get, get get Danny Trio involved and then you know Machete I think that would work um, you know just, just get a really really scary guy to sit there at the head of the table and go nope yes nope maybe that won't
2: work maybe I'm just talking nonsense. Danny if you're listening <laughs> please get in touch
0: um, shall, shall we? Shall we move on? Shall we do other stuff? Okay. Coming up next, I talk about an extremely creepy book. And welcome back to the Bookworm, uh, courtesy of Starburst Magazine and Five So, <coughs> what turned up in my uh, my my reviewing shelf this week? Well, I got a copy of Discovering Scarfolk. For Tourists and Other Trespassers by Richard Lidlow. It comes out later in October. um, And it's really creepy. It's really, really, really creepy. It's a little bit of a one-note gag, but just to explain what this book is. It's this marvellous collection of really weird 70s-style adverts with a conspiracy theory-style narrative. Now, the conspiracy theory-style narrative is one of lost children. But imagine, imagine if you will, that you were driving around rural rural England and then you suddenly found yourself, in the 1970s, in a village where everything had gone wrong. And it was this kind of combination of the Wicker Man and 70s horror style and all the locals seemed to have been replaced with something slightly inhuman. And, you know, quite possibly everything was dipping gently into hell. It's entirely possible that you've actually died on your way down some rural country road and you found yourself in hell. And hell doesn't quite understand what England looks like. But it's given itself a jolly good try. And it's you're now trapped in a weird kind of 70s creepy world. Um, if I say Welcome to Nightville but British, you're kind of getting there. But it's, it's much... the humour is different to Welcome to Nightville and the horror is also much, much subtler um, I'm just flipping through it now and I've, there's, it's full of absolutely filled with different plates and 70s style adverts if you grew up in the 70s you'll recognise the style you'll recognise the style almost instantly, if you haven't then you'll probably have seen kind of dusty old, fading photos and pictures, you know that kind of thing when you're in an old police, uh, old police station, maybe a local police station, and you see a poster that's clearly been there for 20 years and it's faded in the sun. It's full of this that sort of thing, but they've made it go wrong, and they've made it go wrong for comedy purposes. So, I mean, this is the one I always bring up because it's really funny. Notice to all uninformed travellers who expect to be in the British Isles and be welcomed. Babies! Don't understand of a rabies poster. So, it's got that rabies logo that you might remember from the 70s, but it says BABIES! The British Isles are currently free of babies. If you cross the channel from an uncivilised co- country, it is recommended that you leave your babies at home in sterilised baby sacks. All infants coming from, from abroad must be muzzled and placed in quarantine. So what we have here is we have a parody of 1970s rabies poster, and we also have actually a hilarious notion that babies are somehow evil, and also we have that horrible, horrible creepiness because it's being played straight, and it plays itself straight all the way through. It's about the fact that it's full of weirdly stupid notes and really weirdly silly ideas all the way through. It just plays it. It plays it for laughs and also it plays it completely straight. Spontaneous com- human combustion. Annual 1977. Puzzles, cartoons, matches, remains. Golly go home before you cause an accident. Now, there used to be a British Rail poster of an enormous golly on train tracks. And it was about, you know, don't leave your toys behind in the station. It can cause havoc. Of course, Richard Littler has photoshopped and re-edited this to make it look like giant gollywogs are going to take over the world. Is very silly. It's very creepy. It's very wrong. The, the story itself, because in addition to all these adverts and plates, there's also explanations as to where these artefacts come from. The story itself is one of a young man who has two children. The children go missing. Um, then they come back, for, like basically a day later. But he's convinced they're not his children. And then he goes into investigating the covens and weirdness that runs in Scarfolk. Scarfolk is described as a place where, which you can never leave. That they are, you know, the council is up to something wrong. That if you know, if 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 you're not happy with something, you should consult your local coven. That sort of thing. And um, so, yeah. Um,
2: I've just seen some of these posters and, yes, they're everything that I remember when I was little on reruns on TV or stuck around uh, doctor's surgeries and they are somehow even more terrifying than I remember them.
0: What Little has done here is he's combined... Oh, I think that's a scorebook. Please come and close. Nope. Uh, what little, have, little has done is he's combined... Um that kind of weird 1970s aesthetic um, and also quite puerile humour. There's a lot of silly, silly kind of, you know, knob gags all the way through here because that's very British humour. With profound creepiness. Um, a few warnings. If you're if you're the sort of person who's easily offended, don't. You'll not enjoy it. If you're the sort of person who, who, who goes, oh, well, this language is offensive to, to this sort of group, don't. Because it's very much meant to be a parody of the seventies, so there's going to be stuff in there that you might find a little bit insulting. If you take it in the spirit which it's intended, and it very much is strongly intended as a spirit of the parody of the seventies, then you'll get it. If you don't get it and you're easy, you easily take offence, then you won't
2: like it. Is this up there with sort of Life on Mars on that kind of scale?
0: It, life on Mars is actually a perfect way of of putting putting it. Uh, because the, I mean, the main plot is essentially about a man having a nervous breakdown. If you're uncomfortable with that as an idea, then you you won't enjoy it at all. However, if you go with it and you understand that that's a trope within that sort of horror comedy, then you'll love it. Um, it is horror comedy. It is horror in it is horror in the sense of that Welcome to Night Vale, Royston Vasy sort of creepiness, sort of thing. If you like The League of Gentlemen, in fact. It's also very legal, League of Gentlemen in places. Um, it's that sort of humour. If you love Cards Against Humanity, then it's that sort of humour. Um, it's well written. It's well put together. It's mostly about the Photoshop plates. Um, he's done these marvellous, marvellous posters, and ev- or practically every single pagan, pa- pagan paediatrics and postnatal possession. By, by Dr S Blacklord pastimes of the gods is mankind about ba- a board game Eric M Danone and so on it's just full of these really really silly plates is the text and the image sort of um, co-
2: are very codependent or-
0: uh, yes one, one talks about the other quite a lot so he essentially every other page is, is a plate and the other pages are basically talking about where these things come from and what these artefacts are Um Put old people down at birth, that sort of thing. A very, very, very silly, very daft, very weird, a very off the wall humour. It's also quite silly though. I mean, it's it, it's silly and it's creepy at the same time. Um, I enjoyed it. I found it funny. I found it silly. I don't think you can. I don't think you can really read it in one session because I think the humour eventually breaks down after a while. Um, I was actually reminded slightly of Invader Zim. Oh, yeah. You, if, if you like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and that sort, sort of slightly gothic humour, then you'll love it. Um, if you basically pick it up, have a quick look. If you don't get the first three or four pages, put it down again. It's not your sort of thing. Um, it's not Welcome to Night vale, It's not the British Welcome to Night vale, despite the fact that that's the easiest way to describe it. The cover is looking very, uh, looking kind of like a school science
2: textbook. Which oh, very much so. Really it. like that about it. I mean, if you, uh, the only thing is, of course, if you if you didn't close up and have a look at the small sticker with with three map and rabies hand wipes, start map, map is not a, of Scawfell. Um, you it's might just, think it was actually a textbook.
0: It's just weirdly fun and weirdly strange. And it's out in October. It's on Ebury. Um, and it's by Richard Little and we wish it the best of luck. There's also a website which is full of these plates and images that you can also get into if you want to get the flavour of this sort of thing. But then, yeah, we're looking forward to to seeing uh, seeing this on bookshelves. I think and see how people respond. race the alternative this, this is Hat Radio International So coming up next I caught up with Katie Davis who recently wrote a book called Breed uh, that's available on Fox Spirit Books and you really really should check it out because she's a really talented up and coming writer of the small press variety but let's yeah you know, Have a look at the stuff that she's doing. We're quite excited by it. We're quite excited by Fox Spirit's output in general. But, yes, she's very much a good example of the sort of thing that Fox Spirit is capable of getting onto your shelves. This is Fab Radio International. Katie Davis, welcome to the Bookworm. Hello. Your new book, Breed, is out on Fox Spirit. Can you tell us all about it, please? Uh, breed
1: is a relatively short uh, fantasy novel it was somebody called it comic grimdark i don't know if that's an accurate description but it's it's quite a good one so I, i think i'll go with that and it's basically about a proper scumbag who is immoral takes probably takes immoral to an art form but you know it's going on a journey and breed is half human half Thoassa, which is a kind of lizard, and throughout the story, um, it's a first-person perspective from Breed's point of view, and I never stipulate what gender Breed is, so it's up to the reader to decide.
0: The gender of the main character is undefined. Why did you choose to do it that way?
1: Because it's that moment, you know when you wake up on a morning... And you're just you. You're not. You're not Ed, the the bloke. You just. You just get up and you do your thing. And you're you in your head. And I. And I wanted to write from that perspective because we tend not to think of ourselves, our inner selves, as a gendered creature. We're just us. We do things that we need to do to get by. So I wanted. I really wanted to draw the reader in and make it a, a very intimate relationship. And to see. And and it, I, I wrote a short story again using this sort of premise, using the same character a while ago. And some people who reviewed it said, he's this and he's that. And some people said, she's this and she's that. And and it, I found that fascinating.
0: We first met the main characters from Breed in Tales from Null and Dragon. Why did you decide to return to those characters and that world?
1: I just knew there was more, way more. Um, to it, I left it on a bit of a cliffhanger anyway, and it was sort of... I dropped Breed... Into the middle of the story and left them with a big dilemma and a big problem, and I and I really wanted to just um, let my imagination go. I didn't plan anything. I just thought, right, this is the character, this is the world. Let's go. Let's see what happens. And uh, and I did, and it just it just it just rolled on and on and on. You know, it just it just it just spooled out a complete story. Um, and the and the, the world, I find the world fascinating. And interesting, and the the races and the characters are all, yeah, they're all so easy to write. So it was no brainer, really. What's next? Uh, I have um, breed two on the go already because, like I say, it just it just comes. It's just an easy story to continue with, an easy character to continue with, and um, and uh, so that's that's on the go as well. And I'm also writing of uh, the follow-up to uh, another story I wrote called The Red Knight, and that's called The Golden Heart, and uh, and I need I need to get that done and dusted. So I'm sort of juggling the two at the moment, and, and I'm trying to squeeze in a few short stories as well at the same time, because, you know, life is short. And apparently love is
0: always over in the morning. Hmm. You've gone the small press route. Why is that, and what challenges have you faced?
1: Ah... Uh, the big industry, I, personally, I've found it quite difficult. I haven't tried, you know, so you hear about some people, they've, they've had a story on submission for five years, they've tried 27 publishers and 300 agents. I've tried, gosh, with both stories about four publishers, four big publishers, four big agents. And I, I sort of withdrew Breed from a, a bigish publishing organization because life is quite short. Uh, I'm not dying or anything like this. It's just my old man did pop off a couple of years ago. And uh, I had, at the time, I had The Red Knight on submission. And I got a rejection from a publisher on the day he died and a rejection from an agent on the day of his funeral. And for me, that sort of crystallized things in a, in a kind of... in a, uh, It was difficult. It was a really difficult thing. And I think that sort of galvanized me to sort of give mainstream publishing a go. But they're struggling at the moment because they've got a lot of competition and the market is is becoming very um, polarised um, between loads and loads of small presses doing really good stuff at one end and then a few very big authors that are getting all the love kind of um, because money is apparently tight. So I would say writing and being published isn't the hardest thing if you want to write for nothing. Um, if you want to self-publish, you, you'll probably make some money um, as well. Mainstream publishing... I I I don't know if I I fit mainstream publishing really, but we'll see. I don't you know I I don't rule anything out, but it's not been an easy road for me personally. Some people get published straight away. I think you know some people might just knock something up in their lunchtime and voila. But um, it hasn't been that for moi.
0: What's your next big project, please?
1: Uh it would be the Golden Heart. Really, that's that's the next one. Um, I, I don't know if it felt if Breed will survive the next novel. If if Breed does, all well and good. I think the world is is pretty big, but there are a couple of really interesting characters that survived Breed one, um, which I wouldn't mind writing about as well. So um, that that's a possibility. But yeah, that's that's me. Novel wise, that's um, that's me for the, the foreseeable future.
0: Why are so many writers? also role playing gamers i don't know well
1: i, th- I think fantasy writers particularly uh, and and um, genre writers because you know about world building you know about um creating characters it's you're halfway there you're already telling stories from i mean, for me i must have been what 11 when me and my friends started role playing playing ad and d not you common a garden d it was ad and d hasten to add. And uh, and since then, I've played so many different tabletop games and then online games as well. But I think my first love is is tabletop because you, you're telling a story before you re- before you even realise that you're doing it. It's in its second nature. And then because you're steeped in that sort of nerdy world, you read that kind of thing. And, and reading is such a big part, I think, of being a writer. I don't think you can be one. You can't be a writer, I don't think, if you're not a reader as well. So I, th- I think it's just all part and parcel of the
0: training process why is fantasy in the ascendant again
1: it seems to be doesn't it yeah i think the the success of certain authors like george martin i mean he's been around i remember reading his wild card stuff and not many people had heard of him at all and then boom his name is is mainstream um i think obviously it's because the world is is not very nice at the moment there's economies are going bust everywhere there's Horrible, horrible stuff happening all over the world, and there is um, a need to, not necessarily retreat, but but just dip into another existence. Maybe sometimes an existence, although some of it's very dark, I have to say, but sometimes the bad guys get their comeuppance, you know. the, the, The evildoer will be punished eventually, somewhere along the line. There is magic. I hate to use the word escapism because I don't think people are escaping. I think people are just taking a little bit of a, a time out from the, the horribleness. And, and also I think there are metaphors. You can use fantasy as a metaphor to, to look at the problems of the real world in a, in a sort of slightly detached way so you're not immersing yourself in horror quite so much. It's not like watching um, Showa for 12 hours, you know, watching Game of Thrones. You, you can deal with issues without utterly depressing yourself, you know, you've got that gap.
0: Would you write tie-in fiction? And if so, what would it be? Yes,
1: I would. And I have, I, I was approached by a a, a rather well-known author um, about a project in his world um, that would possibly be going down next year, um, 2015. And I would love to because um, I love his world and his his the characters he's created and his writing style. So yeah, and again, fantasy. Although I like I like SF. I just haven't written any anything that's um that I've put forward for publication yet. But
0: um, I wouldn't rule that out either. So oh well, when that happens, you'll have to let us know.
1: Well, you know, sometimes you people moot things and yet you, you you sort of everyone pencils it in. But things either do happen or they don't happen. You know, it's like I say, it's, it'd be nice if it did happen. Um, but you know, there's many a slip betwixt cup and lip.
0: Okay, so you're stranded on a desert island. Let's assume that you've got a beer tree and a food tree and a shopping tree or whatever you need. What one book do you have for company?
1: (gasps) Ah, oh, oh no, that's awful. Oh, um, it would probably have to be, oh, what's that one, Uh, Bertrand Russell's, um, History of Philosophy, is it?
0: History of Western Philosophy, yes.
1: Yeah, I find it fascinating, and it's it's sort of like, it's it's it's, it's idiot-proof as well, so it doesn't make my tiny little ape brain melt.
0: Lizards or monkeys? Oh, lizards, lizards, lizards. Truth or beauty? <sighs> Ooh, gosh, that's a tricky one. Beautiful truth. Katie Davis, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank
1: you. Bye-bye.
0: Embrace the alternative with Fab Radio.
2: Hello there. Um, I have a book review for *London Calling* from Paul Cornell. It's the first of the Shadow Police series, uh, which is. In, it's interesting to see how how it gets the name for that, because that's a whole. Uh, that, that that's actually a whole thing towards the uh, through the book, but. Um, yeah, I picked this up when I, I picked this up as an uh, audio book when I was on my way down to WorldCon, and it's the only thing I've got on there at the moment. Which isn't isn't me trying to catch up with Game of Thrones frantically. It is a uh, urban fantasy series. Uh, one of a uh, one of what I'm noticing is a is an increasing trend at the moment for police procedure in in London, which with a supernatural twist. However, in this case, it was I. Uh, the start of the uh, the start of the book was very, very firmly on the police procedure side. As we got, um, uh, we we didn't get so much slowly sucked into the world as it it just it li- quite literally exploded onto us. And yeah, we're following a uh, we're following a uh, start. Well, Di Di Quill and his team.
0: As they, uh, as they gather, it it sounds like Hot Fuzz meets Supernatural. How close is that as a description?
2: I thought it was going to be that, but it's a hell of a lot darker than that. And actually, Hot Fuzz was pretty dark in places, to be fair. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it it's more. I don't know. Um, name a name a gritty detective series from. Uh, uh, ba- based in the, in the south, the
0: bill, the bills.
2: No. Yeah, so I was thinking, I was thinking the bill because, th- you know, of, of all things, Quill reminds me a lot of Burnside, and is, so so
0: is it the bill? Meet, is it the bill meets supernatural? Oh my, I want to see that TV series.
2: It kind of nudges that way. Um, yeah, it's just there's a there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of never where, there's a bit of uh, and oh, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of this i'm trying to think of the series now that it that it's reminding me of
0: but how how close is it to Vivers of london and ben Aranovich's
2: work this is a question that's bound to come up um i don't weird i thought it was uh, you you look at the descriptions and you think you're going to get uh, you think you're going to get the same thing you are really not i mean ben Aranovich's work uh, has uh, has some pretty dark moments in it, but yeah, this is. Uh, there is there is humour in it. It just uh, there is humour in it. It's just uh, very uh, very solidly starts starts gritty and keep keeps running that uh, keeps running along that way, um, and where Aranovich goes in uh, starts with the uh, uh, gets you on with the premise of. Um, police wizardry this is more of a uh, the the powers that they develop here are more of a uh, uh, more of a sensory ability and then and everything else just gets broken down to uh, pure old-fashioned police work uh one of the things i uh, really enjoyed about it in fact was the uh, was when you when they start drawing things up on the chalkboards and trying to work out how they're going to ta- how they're going to tackle a case, how they how they're going through the how they're going through their um, their, their methods, and they seem quite that uh, they will they will all seem quite uh, uh, quite straightforward at first, and then there's just just the uh, third or fourth method on the on the procedures just will just make you chuckle.
0: I uh, see. So it's more of a case of the fact that they they're essentially straightforward police officers, dipped into a world of darkness, pretty much.
2: It's absolutely that. And you start realising you you go along and you start realising that they actually that they actually get into extremely high stakes straight off because they're just um, yeah yeah they don't get uh, they don't they don't fall upon. Superpowers as such they don't um it, it's not a matter of falling into a radioactive vat of acid they just literally yeah they they just literally get a little bit of help looking for what uh, looking for what they're doing but they're but they're still eminently breakable up against uh, and they they find themselves up against forces who've had have had a ton more practice on them than this
0: so they're outnumbered surrounded by villains they don't really know the territory very well. And all they have going for them is metropolitan police officers. How much of this is a metaphor for being a met police officer in general?
2: If you, it, 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 the more you go through it, the more you're sitting there. Th- the, the more you sit there thinking, well, even if you had taken the supernatural elements out of this, this would still. I, I think. I, I think there's a there's a chunk of it that would still stand very very solidly because yeah, it's they they do find them they. they there there are a lot of uh there are a lot of gags about the uh, uh well mostly mostly from um quill and um, uh, costan who are two fairly seasoned coppers and they are they come across as that uh, they come across that way and um Everything that they everything that they deal with is just just another day, just another just another problem a cop has got to deal with.
0: So, what sort of supernatural horror are they dealing with? Is this fairies? Is this ghosts? Is this just general creepiness?
2: Oh, I don't. Um, without wanting to blow it too much for anybody who uh, for anybody who's read um, who who hasn't read uh, it, when it starts with the standard. Um, Gang gangster busting step. You start getting in. Uh, start getting into a bit of families, and it gets older. It gets a lot older. And I mean, we're talking uh, by which I mean past uh, past standard living ages. Um, and yeah, sort of ghosts. Mostly, however, uh, mostly however, witches and the. Big, uh, the big bad that they will be dealing with is the big bad we may have mentioned him a little bit earlier in a, in oh, a different oh of form. Thatcher
0: yeah <laughs> um, so it could be which is when I think of when I think of Paul Cannell I immediately go to his comic book work which is very light hearted and also very English uh, I go to his Doctor Who stuff which is also very English and though it's got dark moments to it and lots of like kind of darkness running through it it's also quite light and humorous um and also you know we've both met paul because we've been at conventions and paul cannell is the the nicest person in uk books full stop he's just he's just lovely and he's just there um how this sounds really dark for kid. I actually,
2: um, yeah, funny you should say that. I actually think that, that there is humour in this, and it is exceptionally good humour. And I think actually it's all the more stark for the fact that you're that you've been dealing with this um, uh, that that you've been that you've been dealing with this horrible um, horrible gritty case of uh, things going on, and then all of a sudden. Um, one of the uh, one of the team will just cr- will, will just crack a line and you'll you're it, you're, st- you're partly between um, which is partly between police gallows humor and um just general uh, and just general hilarity and it it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't in any way throw you uh, far from it it gives you that it, it gives you that little oomph uh, to get to the next bit without
0: <laughs> so again. A lot like police work is presented to us and a lot like actual police people tell us where there's gallows humour and there's hard work but, they, you know, they do have a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, OK. So so who's it by, what's the series and where can I get it?
2: Right, um, It's... Paul uh, is Paul Cornell, of course. Uh, the series is the Shadow Police series, um, of which the next one is the Severed Streets, which I'm looking forward greatly to uh, to reading. I believe it's Gollans I've got the book with me. But.
0: Uh, it's on Victor Gollans Okay, brilliant. Um, I think coming up next, we're going to be talking about all things books. across the world twenty-four hours a day This is February International So you may have noticed a theme we have we have we have that rare thing of, as we have on the show a theme we have been talking about throughout the show English horror or British horror depending on how you want to put it uh, so that's what
2: you've been doing <laughs> so it's, it's
0: like the preparation to is speak. It, it's like we think about this yeah, stuff yeah. for a while um, oh, which is why I didn't review what I was going to review and went for discovering Scarfall because I thought well, that just fits much better to what we we're going to talk about I almost did Complicity by Ian Banks I seriously considered it and then realised Maybe for for a different show, maybe we should do more Ian Banks as a, an Ian Banks special, perhaps, um, and that would be much more Britishness because I think there's definitely a Scottish style of horror, which is all about remote islands, and you know, insanity relating to religion, um, and isolation, and being very cold, um, compared to that kind of English horror, English kind of. It's much, there's a much, uh, there's an equal gentleness to both of them, I find.
2: I'll have to dig out some William Makel when you're uh, when I'm doing that as well.
0: That's, a, that's, a, that's a, also a good idea. Um, but blimey. Um, so, yeah, Discovering Scorfolk is that 1970s style, creepy monsters. And Paul but it's, it,
3: but it's also that style of book and literature and media that we had when we were kids. Very much yeah. so. Yeah.
0: Like the whole idea of the annual which i think i don't think Americans really get is this big hardback book full of stuff and it's got puzzles and nonsense and really really useful stuff that you don't find anywhere else
2: and yet, every single, uh, and yet every decade, there is there there is always a th- uh, there is always a thing that is uh, that is designed to uh, quietly terrorize us, and we don't realize until a decade on exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Like seventies was seventies uh, was um, rabies. Eighties was eighties. Um, you could take your pick out of um, nuclear m- war, nuclear war, or AIDS.
0: AIDS. AIDS. Oh, that iceberg! That iceberg terrified me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But again, we we draw upon we draw upon that sort of idea for horror. You look at Twenty Eight Days Later, and that's very much got that's both Rabies and it's pretty much in <laughs> one kind of wacky horrific scenario. And I think part part of that horror comes from the fact that we're in Ireland. Um, but you were saying with the, the with um, London, London falling, um, is it the fact that? London is so ancient that we have all these creepy ghosts.
2: There's a lot of things to play with in London, and there's a, and a lot of authors find different uh, find many ways to play with it. Another one on my piles, um, Mike Shevden's uh, 61 Sixty One Nails." Um, I spoke to the uh, spoke to the chap at um, WorldCon, and he had a, a his uh, knowledge of bits of uh, some of London's smaller traditions is practically encyclopedic.
0: One of my favourite Warren Ellis short stories, and it's a comic strip cut short story, uh, is an episode of Hellblazer, where John Constantine, shortly coming to the television screens, and I hope oh. they do, the, I hope they do this as, a, as an episode, is running through London. It's a run London story, and there's some great run London stories, but he's running through London, and he literally has the Hounds of Hell on his back, and they're chasing him, and they're chasing him. And as he's running from part place to place, he's drawing sigils on the wall and unleashing ghosts. And each one of these places he's hitting is a ghost story. And it's, you know, it's the the woman who drowned babies in the Thames, it's parts of Bedlam, it's all these horrific things. And you just get these little short stories and these little short notes about this horrible thing and this horrible thing. And then you realise that John's just ran about a mile. All of this story has taken place in twenty minutes. Yeah, and yeah, each page is a different horror story about London, and you're like, "My giddy art, that's horrific." They're all real as well. It's all based on, it's all based on real stuff.
3: I mean, the thing about London is, isn't it? Is it is so vast that you can put entire hidden worlds in there, and there's just that hint of this could all be true, isn't there? Uh, you know it's, it's the basic level of, of jk rowling and harry potter and and, and it's diagon alley that, and it's behind a door and that that could happen because that does happen in london you it, disappear through a doorway and there's uh, you know an entire street you never knew yeah. was
2: there and it's the things that are true in london that will get you as well mm. there's in um there there are entire uh, there are in, there is something i read on the um somewhere uh there's an in, uh, there, there's an entire building but it's actually just a building facade it's not, oh, not yes, actually the, there oh yeah the tube, the tube station. station yeah
3: yeah. yeah that's, that's in the um, last Sherlock episode mm. where he goes and, and sees it and it, it is um, they were digging the lines for the metropolitan line um it was through a relatively posh area it's in Leanster gardens is what it's called um and so they knocked down the buildings and then re-erected the facades to fit in with the area so there's not a great big massive hole if you look at it on google earth there's a great big massive hole and the tube lines going underneath because the tube needs to vent its steam because it was initially steam trains
0: It's also in one of the Benaranovich books, uh, one of the London Benaranovich books, with the uh, underground, because the underground has partially been, this was underground, uh, because they reveal that I think it's kobolds are partially responsible for building the underground, because they just paid them, because they're magical creatures that can can swim through stone. I knew it it's it, It's really handy way of getting construction work done, but I think that's also the thing with the, the history of Britain and well England specifically is that you either get the density of the city, so you either get Edinburgh, which is full of ghosts mm. or London, which is full of ghosts, or you get those remote little you know remote little rural islands and then the other thing you get is when you get stories with, with that feature say the likes of Manchester. A story set in Manchester is much, much different. Has a much different theme because you don't have the barrenness of you know the outside world. You don't have little towns like Scarfolk. Mm. You don't have little Wickerman-style islands. But what you do have is you have kind of a human desolation. And. That's kind of, it's a slightly different approach but also the fact that history still bites people on the bottom every single time.
2: Yeah, Mm. you can't get away from it at a city and and in fact uh, most of the strong cities embrace both the best and the worst sides of things that they've done in the past Mm. because, Mm. you know, they'll get tourists either way on it. I've got, um, I was talking on um, there's another panel I was uh, talking on at um, Wellcome where I was, uh, one of the things we discussed was the Kind of the spirit of a city. It's how it how it comes across. Mm-hmm. You can walk mm-hmm. in there, you can sort of feel it, you can smell it. It's not just London. Manchester's got, uh, Manchester's got its vibe. Birmingham's got its vibe. Everywhere, New York, Chicago, anywhere you go, you you can yeah. you just touch down and you just. I think
3: Manchester, especially in fiction and in I mean, popular media, has this image of industrialisation, urbanness, but also new and challenging and creative. And I think, you know, the fact that you had the Pankhursts from here, um, Elizabeth Gaskell writing books that were very faintly veiled representations of Manchester, um, Tony Wilson, latterly with Ganada
2: when they were in his heyday. Manchester's a massively dynamic place Mm. and it comes across everywhere. I'm
0: going to make a bold statement. If you're listening to the show and you want to challenge me, if you at me at, at Ed underscore Fortune... On Twitter. On Twitter, I will describe to you any town, any city, any part of the United Kingdom as a person. I'll try and do it in 140 characters. Um, I will, because I, you can, and it is so easy. If you want to do that yourself, copy us in, where uh, copy, in, copy in at Radio Bookworm and describe your hometown, city, or place as a person because it's so much fun to do. But it's also really easy because there is so much history, and I think that's why we get stuck so, because there are so many stories that are set. In London, that are urban fantasy. And I think it's impossible not to do urban fantasy without acknowledging London. Yeah, I want, I'm going I want, to
2: be really cheeky as well because this is going to come up in this is going to come up in my next book. This exact thing it was talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is your book? So just what do you write again?
2: Oh, uh, me, um, <laughs> urban fantasy. So Yay! and funny enough, based around London. So um, at least at least initially. <laughs> And, and where could we
0: find the Gresham Hall books
2: the Grenshall Manor Chronicles are available on uh, 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 are uh, available by Skylar Publishing on all known uh, on uh, all well known ebook sites and of course uh, and of course Amazon which we were talking about earlier and uh,
0: we'll put some links to that on social media there. later anyway well, I'm off yes uh, anyway so um, yes books and things uh, how are we doing for time producer We we're, we're okay we've got a few more minutes oh excellent um see now now we have to come up with stuff to come out with but one of the things that does restrict me actually is when it comes to urban fantasies there is an awful lot of London and there's not an awful lot of everywhere else and yeah. people do struggle the thing, I think, but I,
3: but I think it is again the vastness of London you know, but you go to York and York is just ghost stories because there's so much old in the city centre um, and, and I think York is relatively small in terms of urban sprawl and so there was so much going on there and the, the atmosphere of the place why is there not more stuff set there I've Elizabeth
0: got- Mays, the falconer yeah. is set in Edinburgh I do not understand why there isn't more stuff set there because Edinburgh is living on a volcano now it's not an active volcano but it is a place built on a volcano uh, it's got an undercity in there if you set it in the modern day that undercity was burnt alive historically the place is so full of tiny little soft places that are just full of ghosts
2: edinburgh actually comes up a fair bit in urban fantasy but not necessarily uh, but not necessarily in great detail um i know Jim Butcher mentions it several times in the um, in the Dresden files because there is a huge uh, b- because there is a huge wizarding base there. And if you go, if you've ever seen any pictures of Edinburgh, you know there's a huge wizard. You know there's a huge wizard headquarters there. It's not heavily described. It's travelled to, but um, but yeah, you you know it's there. Edinburgh's uh, Edinburgh is a is a point of magical of um, magical fascination for um, for quite a few sources. Birmingham is one I <laughs> is actually one I was again discussing in recent months with uh, with, an, with an author and I think um, with well with a publisher um, and I think there's going to be, there's going to be some more stuff coming from from there soon keep in uh, keep in touch with me and I'll tell you I'll in, I'll, uh, The only book I know that's t- set
3: even slightly in that area is The Rotters Club which is sort of again 1970s and that's a coming of age story mm. um which uh, I've been reading that, um, and and that's but that's very much sort of the industrial heritage of the black country and the car manufacturing and and what's happening with that.
2: Likewise, I've been told to watch uh, Peaky Blinders, which is it's not fan- it's not fantasy in and of itself, but in terms of. In, in terms of his, um, Birmingham history and uh, the gang situation there, it's actually, uh, I've, I've heard very good things about it.
0: I think it's the layers upon layers of history because we're, we're kind of, it, I think when it comes to writing horror in England and the United Kingdom overall, you almost become an archaeologist as you dig down through the layers because if you dig far enough down, you get the Black Death. And the, the amount of places that are called Pleasant Hills, or the black heaths or this sort of thing, and those names normally mean that it's a plague pit underneath there. That's your other <laughs> writing exercise
2: for the day. Just go and uh, just go and find yourself um, five or six random names of places in Britain that you that you hadn't looked up before. You'll be amused and surprised.
0: You are not allowed. You are not allowed Shilton, or Shillbucket, or anywhere else that you can go. tee-hee-hee-hee-hee-hee. Uh, you are allowed, Fieldsworth, though, because it's the epic.
2: Likewise, I'll get Pratt's Bottom and Badger's Mount out of the way for you now.
0: Wookiee Hole, Wookiee Hole, uh, those good old, those good old Wookies. Um, but again, you, you go. You've got places like is it Satan's, Satan's Back, or Satan's, Satan's Hall, which is a place where because it's got build-up and sulphur, uh, it, it farts every once in a while and gives this kind of sulphurous fart. Um,
2: not to be confused with Satan's Hollow, which is around the corner and a good night out.
0: Yes, uh, <laughs> Satan's Hollow uh, is part of the, the... Anyway, let's not plug Satan's Hollow. It is an awesome <laughs> place. If you're living in Manchester and you're listening to this show, you'll know what we're talking about. If you're listening in the Illinois... And hello then, freshers. Uh, oh, and hello freshers. Oh, shall we Shall we go on a slight ten, ten, no, tangent? Shall we not? No, no. We'll, we'll, back je- to Satan's Hole. Yeah, back to Satan's Hole. We'll not talk about Gerald the Dalek and his problems. We've gone on a tangent. Totally gone on time. Back to the books. Back to the books. So, yeah, I mean, again, Paul Connell touched on this whole living, uh, living England thing. He did uh, Wisdom for Marvel Comics, which at one point has a spirit of Britain rising up as an like an entire village rises up because there's a giant sleeping underneath it, and then another giant rises up and they have a fight. The two villagers have always hated each other and have never remembered why. And it's because they've been living on these giants for thousands of years. And the two giants hate each other. Uh, and that's, like, that's their backstory, mm. kind of thing. Uh, it's all these little petty rivalries and petty, petty stories that can't be made so much more with a bit of creativity. It comes
2: up a bit in London Falling. Certainly comes up in the Rivers of London series, uh, which we would mentioned. <laughs> in fact, but, the first book.
0: Um, so, we're going to have to make a move. So... Uh, it's goodbye for me in a moment. Embrace the alternative. This. this is Fab Radio International. You've been listening to Fab Radio International.com, The Bookworm. My name's Ed Fortune, and I'm saying goodbye. Goodbye! My name's Russell Smith. I'm also saying goodbye! Uh, before you go, however, remember to follow us on Twitter at Radio Bookgram. Follow us on Facebook at Radio and follow us on Tumblr at Radio Bookgram. Go on to iTunes via StarburstMagazine.com and comment, subscribe, and say how wonderful we are. But anyway, we're ready bye. to believe
2: you. <laughs>
3: The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and R.A. Smith. Produced by A.L. Johnson.